Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith and the Whitford St. Holmes Band, and this is Iron City Rock. What's up, everybody? This is Sully Erna, and you are tuned into Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Gary Cerrone from Hurt Smile and Extreme, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Welcome to episode 522 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. It's our first episode of 2024, but lazy over the last five, six weeks since we brought you the Trans-Siberian Orchestra leading into Christmas, Uh, but we figured we would kick off 2024 with a bang. We are joined by the guitarist of Extreme, Mr. Nuno Bentoncourt, as well as vocalist of the band Zebra, Randy Jackson, uh, who will be coming into town to do a show that we will tell you about, a very special event we will talk to you about in just a bit. But first, we're going to talk to Nuno Bentoncourt. Absolute pleasure to get a chance to, to finally cross paths with him. We've had Gary Sharon on the show in the past. Remember very distinctly uh, being at a Cinderella concert at the A.J. Palumbo Center and seeing posters plastered all over the hallways for the Extreme Show at Metropole. That was their first album. I believe the first show they did in Pittsburgh. Had a chance to see them a number of times. Uh, I think most recently with Rat out at the Cheswick Chess Arena. So great to see them doing a show here in Pittsburgh with a brand new album, Six, that is just mind-blowing. As uh, Nuno and I talk about in the interview the song rise getting in a tremendous amount of uh, attention due to just a a perfectly placed guitar solo i won't necessarily say you know, it's the most technically amazing guitar solo ever it's certainly beyond anything i could ever play but uh, i think we all have heard guitar solos where you go that's cool but doesn't fit the song or it's it's cool on its own but it's just a guitar solo this thing uh really the guitar solo is kind of like the cherry on top of an amazing cake uh, the song Rise, and, and really the whole album is just phenomenal. If you're a fan of the band Extreme, you know their albums go in a lot of musical directions. Um, this one certainly uh, follows right in that mold of really not having a mold, quite frankly. So they're going to be coming in to do a show February 6th. If somehow you missed it, they're on tour with Living Color. Uh, so with just under a week now until that show, there are tickets still available. It's at the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Homestead. That's in Munhall, Pennsylvania. We will have a link on our show notes for tickets. So I'm going to play you a little bit of that song, Rise, that we talk about, and we'll get into the interview with Mr. Nuno Bentoncourt. <laughs>
City Rocks, we have on the line, Mr. Nuno Bentoncourt. How are you doing today, Nuno? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Fantastic. Um, I have to, to start. It's been roughly 15 years since we saw a new extreme music, and I remember, as I'm sure many fans did, seeing that announcement in February. Something new was coming, and, and you know, just gets the ticker pumping. How is it for you after you know you get you guys have obviously done solo pieces you've done work with rihanna obviously but to get you know a full-length album out after that long what what does that kind of feel like as a musician to put that out i mean that's a tough 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 question to answer how to feel like i it's a process you know it's it's not i wish it was as simple as like i was doing rihanna and then an album came out there's so yeah. much there's so yeah. much that happens in between and so much prep and writing and you know, writing throughout the years and seeing what we have. But, you know, more than anything, I think what's important is that it was it it, it was an album that was worthwhile releasing because we had been mm -hmm. writing stuff and recording stuff for, for quite a while. It mm -hmm. wasn't for the lack of material, the lack of effort, right? Sure. It was more it was more about having stuff that actually struck a nerve with us and something that we were excited to share with everyone else. Right. I think that's always the that's always the most important thing to us. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's financially detrimental to think that way because we yeah. probably could have put out five or six albums before that and done some tours and made some decent money. But yeah, I don't know. I said to Gary a long time ago when I was like 19, 20, said I never want to put anything out that just for the sake of putting it out. Sure. Um, yeah. As an artist, when you put that album out and, and I think especially with the amount of time, do you, kind of take a sneak peek at the comments you know you're now in a more social media era than you were when you know three sides every story came out you know you don't get the immediacy of the feedback of the listener that you did then is that something that you stay away from or do you kind of find yourself seeing what people think yeah you know you're absolutely right i think making that transition which is always your fight against when you when you come mm -hmm. from from the 1900s yeah <laughs> you know what i mean you always well kind of like, yeah, I don't know. This is weird. This is strange. It's, it takes takes away a lot of the mystery, and it takes away a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, of just you know, it, it's seen to me. It was always seen too much and hearing too much that I'd want to hear from anybody. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The, a lot of the mystery of you know rock and roll and all that stuff was gone. But having said that, I so I don't really even though we've been doing it for a while, I haven't really paid too much attention. I try not to right look at comments through the years because it. Uh, it really never, it really never, uh, well, you know, how artists are like you are one, one minute you are, uh, you're excited about everybody saying you could be playing a stadium for 90,000 people. Yeah. If this one guy giving you the finger in the third row, you're like, why, why? Yeah. God, why? Let it ruin your it's, day. It ruins, it ruins everything. And it's like, you can't be that emotional about your music and everything else and, and be in social media. But having said that, when this album came out, I have to tell you that like, I remember my manager called me after two or three days and then my phone was kind of blown up as well, you know, from yeah. not only from friends and family, but even from some peers that I was surprised about, yeah. you know, when you get, when you get like a Brian May for the fear of dropping names, emailing you or a Luke that they're hitting you up and going, Hey, 
what's going on, man? Like we just heard yeah. this track, like, what are you eating for breakfast? What's going down? You know? And, and it makes you go like, wait, what is going on? You know, you're, you're just doing what you've always done and you record an album, you play your solos that you think you've been doing for 35 years. You know, and you're yeah. not thinking that you've, you raised any bar like they're saying, or that you've created some solo of the century. Like they're saying, it's just, it's a solo. It's a song, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I remember my manager saying, please just go read some of the comments. Just go, I know you don't do it. Go do it. Yeah. Like, you know, um and and i was like no and he goes trust me he just just check a few out and i'm kind of like reading stuff you know with my one half eye open yeah and it was really amazing to read it was i have to say that you know outside of people just telling you hey you guys are great or i love you guys or great album yeah. it was like there was a lot of thank yous that really yeah. got to me which was really which was really what made me proud of the album which was like man thank you for the thank you for a rock album thank you for an album that you guys really put your heart and soul into it, put care into. And I remember I had a little listening, a little listening party because with, with, with a few of my, you know, Morello and Vi and a few people in LA. And I was just like, I just wanted to excited to play for him in a way to say like, is this, is this good? Is this, is this yeah. there? You know, like, and I, and I remember we listened to it from top to bottom and nobody said a word and nobody stopped the album. I thought they were going to stop between tracks and talk mm -hmm. about things like guitar players do. And they didn't. And at the end of the whole thing, you know, lights were down. We had a few drinks it was the same comment. It was like, yo, of course we know you can play. We've known you, you've been playing for 40 years. Yeah. But man, the album from front to back, when you drop that needle and all the way to the back, man, you just get lost in that journey. And, and it's, it's like a, it was just like a journey. It was like, you know, getting into a car, like we used to with an album and it goes like, we haven't heard something like that in a while. And that's what made me proud. Cause that's was always the intention of all the bands that we grew up with. Right. We always try to make albums that not just for playlisting, not just right. for somebody like a song, but, something that mattered what the three acts of it was, you know, like a three course meal, if you yeah. will, you know, and, 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 and you want it to take those left and right turns, even if you don't like it sometimes you're like, Whoa, what is going on here? They're doing what they're doing this song or it, back in the day, it'd be like a more than words. Cause people were, yeah. Bang, you know? So I think that was the thing that was most exciting about this release was that response, you know? Yeah. And I have to say as a listener, I, and, and a fan of the band for a very long time, had to resist the singles that you guys dropped, you know, and, and I know you you need to do that, but I've been a person who's been adamant that I want to wait until the whole thing is there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad I did because of the fact, you know, you use the word journey for this record. And I think that's a great metaphor for it because it does go in so many di different directions, you know, a lot like pornography did, you know, there's, there's left, there's right, there's songs, you, you know, you're going, what, what the heck is this? You know, that kind of stuff. And I, and, you know, as a listener, I say thank you for not making 12 identical songs, you know, yeah. and and that's, you know, might have been the easy thing to do. You know, if you like you said, you could have gone into the studio 13 years ago and just dropped 12 tracks and played the shit out of the guitar. And we'd have bought it and thought it was great. But I love the fact that you've got songs like Here's to the Losers, right? You know, it kind of raises an eyebrow when you listen to it and then you really digest it. Um, and I like taking away some of those things, you know, you know, yeah, more look, than like, just a, a shred record, you know. Which... Yeah, like you, like like you. For me, it's it's important to have balance. You know, it's like and yeah, it killed me to even. I was upset with the record company when they wanted to put out just like wait January February like the albums are coming out till June. Like for me, I was just excited to show everybody the the whole body of work, yeah. the whole thing. So it was really difficult for me to swallow like one track at a time to dish out to everybody because with us, it's very hard to know what an, what an album is with one or even two or even three songs. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, 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 I love people to just put on headphones and decide for themselves what it is, but I, I get it. You know, it's, it's yeah. how the business always works, but um, I think you're right. I think, I think, um, I think for an album, for an album to, 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 to live and just, it's like, it has to take those lefts and right turns and relieve you of all the heavy stuff or all the shredding stuff. And sometimes you don't want too much acoustic stuff. I think it's just that we're finding that right balance has always been the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it certainly, you know, it reminds me kind of like, you know, dare I say night at the opera when I listen to it, you know, there's, there's different components and things that really, I think interweave and build a very cohesive, cohesive record. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a massive compliment. Thank you so much. Um, live, do you get, I, I know you guys have started this to run a dates with living color. Are you able to kind of, you know, you've got five other albums and, and obviously several of the massive multi-platinum albums. Are you able to get much of this material into the set and, and how do you kind of 
you know decide what to take out to to fit in a song yeah you know it's interesting because when you're um when you're doing most bands when they've been around for a minute like us and they have a new album mm-hmm. you know it, it's always a bit cringy sometimes when the bands could say we're gonna play you the whole new you know we're gonna play yeah. a lot of stuff there. and you're like no you know i remember seeing that with rush once and i was just like oh no we're gonna have to sit through <laughs> a lot. but it's funny because in this case, it's been the opposite in a weird way. We're getting flack for not playing enough of it. Like every, we're already doing, we started with three. Mm-hmm. People were like, wait, what? You're not doing this or Hurricane? You're not doing, yeah. you know, you're not doing Banshee? What's going on? Or Small Town Beautiful? I'm like, okay, okay. So we start adding. We're, we're up to six songs, half of the album in the set. That's fantastic. And we're still getting complaints of like, so that's exciting in a good way, you know, like that. Yeah. They don't just want to hear the old stuff and get the funk out and all that, you know. Yeah, and that is that is unusual. I remember leaving, you know, Iron Maiden kind of notorious for doing the greatest hits tour followed mm. by the full album kind of thing and listening to people bitch on the way out of, of a Maiden show. Like, they just killed for two hours. How are you complaining? But people want to hear, you know, the hits. But it it's is so true. We play two hours. We, we're a very physical band, passion band. And half of the time we see fans outside. They're obviously a great show, but they're like, why didn't you play this one? Like, oh, guys, we can't give you everything somebody something's got to be sacrificed so but we're excited at the balance the way it is right now yeah. i think i think it's a really well-balanced meal on stage and we, we're starting to do like what what you, know, you talked about queen and i used to it used to annoy me a little bit when i'd hear some of the queen live stuff and they used to do these medleys of things like mm-hmm. half a song here yeah like, i gotta hear the whole thing now i get it yeah when you get that much catalog we're doing like Small Town Beautiful into Song for Love. We're working it. We're trying to figure out things that that work together. That's because we just don't have the time. Or do a little piece of Hurricane into more than words, stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a it's a great problem to have. Let's let's put it yeah. that way. I mean, yeah, that's... you you know probably remember some of those early shows where you're like, crap, we're gonna have to play Kid Ego three times to fill the, exactly. And we're like, we don't have the material. I have to do a three two twenty minute guitar solo. Yeah this is this is a great problem to have and and to have people still want to want to come and hear you play so that's a wonderful thing yeah listen we're we're blessed as it as it was we have a great fan base even before six but what's really been interesting about this tour and it's been shocking in in, in, in a really interesting way is like we we just did uk europe we did australia and japan and after the first time i get to talk to the audience besides saying hi to him, I asked him the first question is how many people here in the crowd have not seen extreme? Cause it's been mm-hmm. 35, four years. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's been from 40% sometimes to 70%. And this new album has touched. So like, and I'm, we're looking out in the crowd. I'm like such a younger audience as well. There's kids in their teens, there's people in twenties, parents yeah. with their kids because of the yeah. new stuff and the new, and the new songs and new stuff. So it's been really exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, rise is certainly i think caught everyone's attention you know not to to dwell on one particular song but i think you know the the press and and i think a lot of people had that same reaction was like the holy crap you know and and to me i was like it didn't need the guitar solo to be a great song and and that's an important thing to stress but i think it caught a lot of people and we're like yeah we haven't heard that kind of pyrotechnics um you know to really capture your attention in a little while so it's you know, for anybody I think out there that owns a guitar, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah, and I, you know what? And I, I think it was, I think it was a combination of stuff because I remember when that happened. I remember when that happened within forty-eight hours, and a lot of these sort of like reaction videos and all this stuff that's mm. going on that my manager sent me and links, and I'm like, mm. like, wait a second, what's happening? I mean, it's a decent guitar solo, but I think I've been playing this sort of stuff for a long time, and. I'm like, why, why, like, why now? Like, what is going on? And I remember even like I mentioned earlier, like, you know, I've been a close friend to Steve Lukather from Toto for years and, you know, lovely dude, incredible guitar player. And, and all of a sudden I was asking him like, okay, what is going on? I'm, I went from like, I haven't done, been on a guitar cover since, you know, at least in the U S and UK probably since the mid nineties. I'm like, what is going on? I was on like 12 covers within one month. What's going on. And then on some covers, they were like, solo of the century you know solo of the year and i was like and i said to him i go what what is happening this is bullshit what's going on and he said to me he goes look you know he goes and he really nailed it he goes you know we always know you can play Mm -hmm. he goes that's a combination of what's happening but he also said to me he goes it's also how it's being served it's in a song 
It's in a song. Yeah. It's with harmonies. It's a band going all in in a video. It's how you shot the solo. This yeah. passion, this fire, and this joy in the playing. Mm -hmm. And I go, and and he goes, as opposed to what he goes, what have we been witnessing with great guitar players for the last maybe ten years or even fifteen years? It's amazing players, but sitting in a chair at home, yeah, on Instagram, technically playing the solos and dropping our jaws as well, going like, "Wow, have you heard so and so?" Hmm. And these guys, you know, from Italy and guys from everywhere that are doing so well. But he goes, he goes, that's the technical side of it. All of a sudden, you bring the emotionality into it and the yeah. passion into it and the fire of all the bands that we were influenced, whether it's Edward or Van Halen or whether it's Zeppelin or other bands that we grew up on that were all in in the song in the melody and the solos and having fun throughout the song, you know, and he, and he basically said, you know, when's the last time you have called me or Morello or anybody, you know, your peers have called you going, have you heard this? Have yeah. you seen this? He goes, that video, the video was a big part of it as well. He said, because it was like, what's been missing is not necessarily guitar playing. He said, it's kind of the mythology of rock and roll has been missing yeah. a bit. The whole package, the whole fire, the the way yeah. the band looks, you know, and and that really struck struck a chord with me. No, no pun intended. Struck a chord with me in the sense of like, I needed an answer. I'm like, okay, come on, guys, like, really, really, and and I didn't realize when he even said solo of the century. He goes, wow, it's 2023. He goes, all right, if you don't agree with that, when's the last time you called me about a guitar solo in the last 23 years? Yeah. That, that's a great point. You, you... And he got me. I said, well, you know, yeah, but you heard this guy go, yeah, you're talking about guys, players. I get the great fucking plays, but a solo in a song like we used to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you, you kind of harken back. I mean, you think of songs like Beat It. You know, there's another solo that was just the, the right combination of everything that kind of came together. You know, I mean, have there been maybe more technical, faster mm -hmm. solos? Yeah. But it was the right solo for the right song at the right yeah. time with the right, right. guy. Absolutely, absolutely right. And you know, and, and you know, and even I mean, let's 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 be real. Even Edward's passing, I think, had something to do with the excitement. Meaning yeah. that people were like, "Man, it's an end of an era of that guitar playing that even influenced me of our generation." Yeah, there, there were a lot of people were like, "Man, that's the end of that era," you know. And there's a part of me that when he passed, I was even like, "God, man!" Like, it, I almost felt like it didn't change anything on the album. As a matter of fact, the solos and stuff were done, but I felt like this weird, odd responsibility of like. Oh my God, we got to keep this. We got to keep this. You got to keep it going. We got to keep yeah. this guitar playing going. We got to keep guitar playing in songs and bands and stuff. And I was so even that more fired up. And and in a, in a, in a bizarre way, the rise solo was really even more strange because the day I was cutting it, Eddie Edwards showed up at my house, and I was cutting it with Gary. And I was in the studio, and I had just in the middle of cutting the solo. I was almost done with it. And Gary went to lunch with him. I didn't know he surprised me because you got to come out to the front of the house. I'm like, no, I'm cutting this song, I'm cutting the solo. Yeah. And imagine on that day coming down and seeing Edward for the last time and him wanting to hear what you're doing, what's going on. I'm like, no, 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 a couple, I want to play for you when it's done and all that. And of course he passed away afterwards, but there was something really haunting, beautiful. And, yeah. And, and him just, yeah, I don't know. It was just really strange. It really hit a nerve with, man, that's your guy. That's, the guy that changed guitar playing as we know it, in, you know, in the late seventies. And, and, uh, and then I didn't think anything of it. We released the first song. It was rise because it was the first song of the album. And I figured if it's the first song of the album, why can't it be the first song we put out, you know, do it yeah. in order. And, uh, and then after that, it was like, people started talking about it in such a crazy way that I was like, man, was, did Edward pop by that day to say like, yo man, pass the torch. Let's yeah. go, let's go. Let's make sure, you know, make sure you're killing what's happening out here, you know. And the only thing I went back and did after that solo was done, even though it was done, it didn't change seeing him is well, after he passed away, I added a phase 90 to it afterward. Oh, that's I've never perfect. Used, yeah. I've never used a phase 90 in my childhood because everybody knows it's automatically sounds like it's automatically sounds like Ed, Edward. And uh and uh and uh it's one of those things where I never used one because of that. And everybody knows, you know, you, I already, I'm already influenced by it. If I use that, it's going to be like, wow, you're really cloning him. It's such a tone, a specific tone that's his. But after you pass them, like, you know what? It's a really silent, nice little way to, to tip the hat. And just to say like, here you go, man. I, and nobody's going to take your throne, but I'm, I'm hoping that you're looking down from up there going, you know what? You've done good kid. You know, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Nuno, I want to thank you again. You will be here next Tuesday, the 6th of February, Pittsburgh to do the show with living color tickets still available. If you want to sit in the back, 
I want to thank you so much for your time today, man. I really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Take All care. Right, Bye. Peace, Steve. Hey, gigantic thank you to Nuno Bentoncourt for coming on the show. As we mentioned, he will be in town on Tuesday, February 6th with Extreme and Living Color at the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Homestead. Tickets available now. We'll have links in the show notes. The album Six is available now. If you were a fan of Pornography, the, the first album, Three Sides, really any of the albums, you know Queen... I'm sorry, that was Freudian Slip. Extreme, although you see where I get the Queen references, um, put a really nice wide variety of music on the album, and this is, is right in that vein. So get out there, check that out, check the show out. Uh, ought to be an amazing time. And, you know, we don't get to see Extreme every every year. You know, certain bands you can kind of rely on, oh, they'll be around next summer, or they come every year. I honestly don't remember what year it was when we last got a chance to see Extreme, so don't waste the opportunity. I'm going to turn our attention now to another really cool opportunity. Um, many of you, I am sure, if you're a fan of the show, were a fan of a band, Zebra. Uh, their vocalist, Randy Jackson, they were from the South and then moved out to, towards the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, I saw that a show was being held at Heinz Hall, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra, doing the music of Pink Floyd, a rock symphony. And in looking at that, I always catches my eye when uh, anything related to Pink Floyd is going to be happening. I was like, this is really cool, the, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. And then I saw... It said, led by vocalist Randy Jackson. And when you say the name Randy Jackson, I can think of two people. The vocalist of Zebra or the bass player of Journey. And I was pretty sure it wasn't the bass player of Journey, so I sent an email out to Randy, who got back to me amazingly quick and uh, graciously agreed to sit and chat with us. So we're going to talk to to Randy uh, not only about the show with Pink Floyd, but new music from Zebra. So... We're going to play you a little bit of classic Zebra. We'll get into an interview with Randy Jackson.
Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Mr. Randy Jackson of Zebra. How are you doing, Randy? I'm doing great. Uh, it's fantastic to have an opportunity to talk to you. Um, Zebra, a band that uh, I think a lot of our audience is very familiar with. Um, and we saw a, a concert announcement of sorts come across our desk for the music of Pink Floyd, a rock symphony featuring vocalist Randy Jackson, and had to get in touch with you right away. Um, how did this kind of come to be? I know, you know, from what I've read about you, you you used to do covers and things like that from Pink Floyd back in your club days, uh, you know, kind of pre, you know, Zebra becoming a signed artist. But uh, how did this come to pass? Well, we, um, it was about 25 years ago, 1996, and I got contacted by my agent uh, who told me that there was a guy who was writing scores for symphony shows with wanting to do classic rock mm-hmm. and uh, they the first one they wanted to do was Led Zeppelin so um, they were looking for a singer and I went down there I did a show with them in uh, Virginia Beach and you know it went well and I started doing the Led Zeppelin shows and the next one they did was the Pink Floyd and he called me to, to do that one too so you know it, it ends up being a, a for me, a lot of fun because you know these are bands I grew up mm-hmm. listening to, and uh, and then doing it with an orchestra just makes it really special. So, uh, so that's how it got started. And uh, you know, I actually Zebra never did any Pink Floyd. We did all we did some Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. We did you know a lot of bands, but that was one band we never did cover. Although um, I did know a lot of Pink Floyd back in the day, but sure, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite bands for sure. As a singer, you know, I, I kind of think of, you know, there's some, many, and some of them quite large Pink Floyd tribute touring acts, you know, where you kind of have people playing the role of David Gilmore or Roger Waters. Do yeah. you kind of do one vocalist parts, or are you kind of a mix? You've got kind of a chameleon voice in a way, you know, I could easily see you doing Robert Plant type things, and I could see you doing some of the Roger Waters kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I do. You know, I'm the front man, so that mm-hmm. we're not configured like a like a regular Pink Floyd tribute band. We've mm-hmm. got, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, the lead vocalist and MC. Let's say. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we have a guitarist, we have a background vocalist, keyboards, sax player, drummer, and so we've got the all the all the instruments are covered, uh, except that you know I take the lead vocals on all the songs. Okay. And. Um, yeah, I play guitar in a couple of songs, but mainly I'm out there to, uh, you know, to sing in it and then entertain the audience between between tunes. And master of so, so master. a little bit, little bit of a different setup than, than they would normally be seeing, but you know, basically the same effect, you know, with the rock band and the orchestra. Yeah, was this, you know, doing this over the years? Um, do you guys kind of mix up? the songs that you do or is this essentially I, I you know in the posting I see it's a 50th anniversary of the dark side of the moon um, yeah is that yeah, essentially doing, the the piece of work you'll be approaching well we do, we'll be doing uh, we the, the first half the first because uh, there's a uh, intermission mm-hmm. in the show and the first part of the show is dark side of the moon from beginning to end and then the second half we come back and we do a variety of uh of Floyd, you know, from uh, a lot of different records, and uh, so you know, people get a good, good dose of Floyd uh, along with the, uh, you know, the entire Dark Side of the Moon album. Do you? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe this is an appropriate question, but do you do any of the the vocals for Great Gig in the Sky, or is that this that someone else gets the the joy of trying oh, to that's recreate that? That's that. a female vocalist, and we have a female vocalist that does that. Okay, I was thinking as I was listening. I mean, I, to I, I, I could try it, but I don't. I, you know, there's just something about a female voice that I don't think I could do. You know, there's some soulfulness in that voice that's just not not coming out of me. That's for sure. Well, I'm listening to, to your debut Zebra album last night, thinking I could actually see this maybe working with you doing that. But uh, well, I'm sure that's. I haven't a, tried it, but if I do, I'll let you know. It's a da- daunting piece of work. Uh, to say yeah, the least, is there, um, you know, I, I, kind of a debate among Floyd fans in the peers? Like, uh, uh, do you tend to gravitate yourself as a fan of, of the more Gilmore era or Waters or um, 
going back to Sid's, what what kind of era of Pink Floyd is kind of in your wheelhouse? Uh, you know, I mean, I I just said Dark Side of the Moon is still my favorite. You mm-hmm. know, I can I can pick. Uh, you know, we do a couple of songs in the set in the uh, rest of the uh, show that that I really love, but uh, it's that. That kind of stuff. Even like we play, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. Comfortably numb. How could I forget? Right? We do comfortably numb, and even that has like a, a dark side of the moon, sure, uh, kind of feel to it. You know, it could almost be, have been on the record. You know, and I, uh, I kind of gravitate towards those type of the song, t- mm-hmm. those type of songs from from, uh, from Pink Floyd. Maybe a, a strange question also, but you know, I think a lot of people will look at this gig and say, okay, we've got you know, kind of a hard rock singer coming to do this with a symphony. It's in probably the most beautiful venue in all of Pittsburgh at Heinz Hall. Is this a black T-shirt kind of event, or is this uh, the? Uh, you mean for the audience? Yeah, for the audience. I'm sure you've got to dress a little nicer, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't come in a black T-shirt, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's it's kind of casual if they want to be. I mean, I uh, people come to these shows uh, with t-shirts on sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know it just depends. I mean, it, a lot of a lot of it's an older crowd, mm-hmm. um, and you know that it's, it's certainly not a, a formal affair with sure. tuxes and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's kind of relaxed, and, and there's certainly people wearing t-shirts, no doubt. For you as a musician, I think you you know I think of Zebra, you know in in a lot of bands in that kind of uh, ilk where you could easily go and do touring now, but something like this is is playing to a bigger hall. Is this a more lucrative endeavor for you at this point than a Zebra tour would be? Um, you know, not not really. They're they kind of even themselves out, you know, as far as that goes, as far as the monetary side, because Zebra's a three piece band. Yeah, yeah, that's a great you point. You know, and with and, and with these shows, we we have you know sometimes a hundred people. Uh, and yeah. uh, you know, Zebra's back touring out now. You know, we've been we've been on the road more now than we have in probably thirty years. You know, and we got a whole bunch of dates coming up in twenty twenty four that we're about to not announce next week. Uh, so as long as our drummer guy, who's like 72 now, can keep yeah. doing it, we're going to keep touring, you know. And, yeah, that's fantastic. But uh, it's, it's turning out really good. That's fantastic. I, I was looking at some of the tour dates and, and trying to determine exactly when you guys might have last been in Pittsburgh. And and, and I'm scared to think that the, that Setlist FM is right, that the last date you guys did was with Loverboy in 83 here. But That, uh, that very well could be could be it yeah we need to remedy that uh yeah, yeah qu- I think so. quick yeah because i was looking at that i'm like you know you guys um I, I remember you know you guys being in that that same sort of almost the new wave of british heavy metal and like i think honestly if you had asked me as, as a you know a, a teenager i would have thought maybe you guys were uh, a British band because this fact you were so different than what we were hearing from a lot of you know the Billy Squires and the Lover Boys and, and things that were kind of ruling hard rock at that point. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a big influence for 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 me was uh, you know the Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and mm-hmm. but the Floyd and the Yes you know uh, so that's probably where that's coming from. Yeah, I think listening back, you know, I. I tried to do kind of a deep dive in, into your work um, in preparation to talk to you. And, and one of the things I think I find so fascinating about Zebra is that from song to song, even, the, the influences are very diverse. You know, listening to your debut record, you know, for example, you know, you guys go very, you know, like slow down, very rock, you know, obviously a Carl Perk, Perkins song um, from Tell Me What You Want, which I could you know, close my eyes and think of Rainbow, for example, too, in that song. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but then I swear I feel like the birds even creeping into some of that. Um, yeah. That was, uh, and I think really makes for a fascinating album. Um, was so it hard? I'm sorry. We're a little older than, than, than the, the musicians of the 80s. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it took us like eight years to get our record deal. You know, yeah. we started off in 1975. So, you know, our influence was, were, were a little bit different, I think, growing up than a mm-hmm. lot of bands. 
was the um, was the decision to move uh, you know from a Louisiana-based band to kind of a New York-based band a difficult one for you guys at that point, or was that just you needed to do that to kind of get recognized? Well, we you know we were a rock band in New Orleans, and New Orleans is really known for jazz. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, 1975, 76, uh, there weren't a whole lot of bands getting signed out of Louisiana rock bands. And we figured the best place, the best thing for us to do was to go where the record companies were. You know, so we were either going to go to Los Angeles or New York. And we just happened to know some people in New York, had some connections, and, uh, and we came, came up to Long Island. And it ended up being a good move, you know. Was the decision to to work with jack douglas on, on the debut was that the record company's choice or was that something you guys kind of worked with obviously jack dripping with platinum across his career yeah um he was at the top of our list you know they they asked me to make a list of who you know we wanted to work with and he was at the top of the list and uh atlantic was excited to have him mm. do a record because he had never done a record for them you know, it was mm-hmm. the first time he's ever worked, uh, done a record for Atlantic. And, uh, of course, he was, uh, at that time, you know, coming off of losing his good friend, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. John Lennon. And, you know, I wasn't really thinking that way, you know. And when he, uh, you know, when we were doing the sessions, I mean, it was really still fresh at that point. Sure. You know, uh, with, with Jack. So, um, you know, the whole thing, the experience was kind of surreal, you know with all of that going on when you walk in to, to somebody's work with john lennon and aerosmith and you know the name goes on forever do, do you do you ask him questions or do you just kind of say okay well here's what i want you to do i mean what do you it, what, what's that relationship yeah. like with veteran producer and and you know kind of long time band but first record yeah, well, but the great thing about Jack is that he was a musician, too. He was in a band. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can relate to us on that level. And, uh, you know, and he's an engineer. You know, that's mm-hmm. how he came up, you know, to become a producer. Uh, producers are all different. You know, you just never know what their backgrounds are. And mm-hmm. some of them are, end up just being peacekeepers, you yeah. know, yeah. to uh, babysitters. But, uh, but Jack... You know he know he knows it all, and so he's he he always had the uh, uh, the best engineers available, and and if if need be, he could just get behind the console and do it himself. You know, right. So that was what was really great about him, and and I'm kind of a tech head myself, so it was a great learning experience for me, uh, getting to learn a lot of the uh, the techniques he used, engineering and stuff. You know. Yeah, I think and, it's always great when you have somebody in the band that kind of gravitates towards learning the craft of making a record as opposed to just somebody hits record, you do your thing and then hope it sounds good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been too, always too interested in that side of it. So yeah, you know, I've been first, but, uh, but I, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, kind of the recording, it's, it's been a, a little while since we've had new music from zebra. Is that something at this point in your career, you guys still consider a worthwhile task to do, or is it just enough to enjoy playing music? you know, as friends. Um, well, you know, we haven't done a record in 20 years. It's been, uh, the last one was Zebra 4, but, mm-hmm. you know, I've been writing, you know, for the last 20 years, and there's a lot of material, and we, we actually have just decided this year is going to be the year that we uh, that we get a new record out. So uh, the, we started the process, like, uh, December, mm-hmm. uh, Guy and I, and we're doing it... Uh, he lives down in Louisiana, but we're able to do a lot over Zoom, and uh, so we're hoping to have a, the record done this year. You know, I think we will. That's it's fantastic news, and, and it's it's interesting. You know, I look at, at Zebra, and, and I I see three guys in a band that you know. When you look at you know the the lineup, and you know with Wikipedia, you can kind of see timelines and things. And one of the only bands I can honestly say that I've looked at that that has a a one nine seven in the year you started and all three members still in the band, um, you know you guys yeah. have been blessed at this point. So it's it's awesome that you, you know you can get together and write and and not through lawyers and things at this point of of your career. So that's a yeah, after uh, after the first five years, you know you pretty much know what to expect from uh, each other. And, yeah. Uh, 
you know, we, you know, we've always kind of been a family. So we've never had, and I think, you know, but just it being a three piece band makes it a completely different dynamic than, yeah. you know, it's with five people, six people, you know, it's, it's just a, a lot, it's easier. There's less people. So mm-hmm. and we've all got, always gotten along. So when, uh, when yeah, you, we have to yeah, with the longevity, yeah. When you write for a, a three piece, do you, um, and I don't know how much experience outside of, of Zebra writing you've done, but I mean, is it a consideration as you're writing, you know, your guitar parts, for example, or, you know, Felix's bass stuff or whatever, did you've got to write almost considering a three piece band and kind of make maybe the guitar part of the bass parts more intricate, um, to kind of fill the space of the sound or, or does that not matter? Would just give me a hook, give me a melody and, and we'll kind of build the parts around that. Yeah, I mean, the song is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not there to, you know, do calisthenics to show mm-hmm. how great, you know, we are as a three-piece band. Mm-hmm. To me, the song is the most important thing. You know, we've, we've been doing this for 50 years, so yeah. filling it in and making it sound full as a three-piece band, we know how to do that. Right. You know? And we just need to get, uh, you know, have have the, have the song to do it with. Uh, I mean, that was the... Uh, the kind of the gimmick we had when we first started and we were doing uh you know covers because we do the moody blues yeah and we have the keyboards and uh you know and as a three-piece people would come out to see us and they do they do all this stuff that you know five-piece bands do you know as a three-piece so mm-hmm. that was kind of a gimmick and from that you know we we, we took that to our original material too so a lot of the uh, songs especially on the first record are it's a lot of keyboards on there. Third record was uh, pretty much the same way, and uh, you know, but we don't try to make it uh, like a, you know, like a, an Olympics kind of thing. You know, sure. like watch us. You know how how fast we can go or anything like that. It's it, it needs to be musical. So really, yeah. to answer your question, got to be the song. But. Yeah, I think that's certainly a takeaway you get from the from the albums as you walk away singing the melodies and not going wow you know randy's solo coming out of the second chorus really you know shreds um you know not that there's anything wrong with the guitar parts but mind you but you know you do walk yeah, you away want them to remember the song yeah absolutely that's well that's fantastic again randy's you're going to be coming in to do the music of pink floyd a rock symphony with the pittsburgh symphony orchestra at pittsburgh's heinz hall on february 27th we want to wish you safe travels um hopefully we'll see you back in pittsburgh after a long drought uh, with Zebra sometime soon, and we'll certainly look forward to new music. I think people will eat that up. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, and I'm looking forward to getting back to Pittsburgh. All right, so that's a Music of Pink Floyd, a rock symphony to be held at Heinz Hall February 27. Tickets available at pittsburghsymphony.org. Uh, we will certainly have a link on the show notes. If you head over to ironcityrocks.com and click on episode 522, we'll have links to that. Also, the tickets to see Extreme and Living Color. Uh, we'll have information about both of those. But what a cool event. Um, you know, fans of, of the band Zebra. And if you're not familiar with Zebra, is, is I admittedly uh, was probably a little too young to remember kind of Zebra when Zebra kind of hit their stride and they weren't necessarily in high rotation on MTV which at that age was how I kind of digested music Zebra is a cool band to go check out you know it's like discovering the other songs from Thin Lizzy or the the non-radio tracks from Jethro Tull there's a wealth of great music out there that just wasn't spoon-fed to us via MTV or or terrestrial radio so I would really really put the the album from zebra on that list of things to go check out again that's february 27th i want to thank you for taking the time to listen you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com all of our social medias are iron city rocks email ironcityrocks at gmail.com if you've got shows you're aware of that you haven't heard us mention artists you'd like us to check out artists you'd like us to interview artists you're tired of hearing about anything love to hear from you guys so we'd appreciate it if you reach out also don't miss out on our website right now uh, still a little bit of time left to vote for the western pennsylvania music awards for 2023 um, those are 
all fan nominated artists from local bands uh, vying for different categories no way are picked by Iron City Rocks don't even vote um, had to look up who some of the artists even were so um, this is 100% your voice as fans also the Western Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame uh, that we started about 10 years ago uh, so many many great musicians out of Pennsylvania uh, Western Pennsylvania I should be more specific uh, this is your your time to add someone new to that legacy so I uh, can check that out and vote for that and also see the previous inductees as well so I invite you to check that out and until next time I want to thank you so much for listening <laughs>